Hi, this is Akshay. And this is Salar. And, and this, this is, is the Missing Pages, Pages podcast. In this podcast, we will talk about nutrition, plant medicines, biohacking, and meditation. <laughs> Page 11. Page 11. <laughs> With Chris the Painkiller. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, buddy. Um, so tell us who you are. How did you become a massage therapist? What was your passion? Okay, so I'll give you guys a brief intro. So uh, I studied massage therapy after doing a degree in uh, neuropsych and biology at U of T. And I had a really great experience there where I had the opportunity to network with a lot of professionals and research at CAMH. Um, I had an opportunity to study uh, mental health and take a lot of courses where we delve into the connection between the body and the mind and emotions and how pain and trauma can reside in your body over the long-term course of your life. And this can have a number of different impacts and even be inherited to the next generation. So through studying like neuropsychology, genetics and emotions and pain, these were kind of the focuses that put me together on a path where I wanted to do a career that every day I know I'm helping people with pain, but I'm also helping like support their life in a big picture way. And by studying massage therapy, I can provide one-on-one therapy for an hour and 90 minutes, sometimes more, where I know it's not just the pain relief or moving better that you're doing. It's the stress. It's taking the time out of your day to care about yourself when you're a mother who cares about everyone else. There's a big picture ripple effect that I wanted to create through individual people one at a time. Uh, how long have you been in practice? So I've been practicing massage therapy since 2016. Since um, okay. So it's been three years. Um, and in my, in my practice, I've yeah. had the opportunity to work with a number of people with um, mental health diagnosis that is helped massively by the massage therapy that I'm doing. And they're not diagnosed with Uh, PTSD and told go get a massage for it they're not diagnosed with anxiety and told go get a massage for it this is something that they do because they know it helps and it's amazing that the massage literature is now showing everyone this is a really important aspect of what we do insurance companies are starting to recognize it more and like this creates a bigger ripple effect in the community and uh, science where they want to understand more about trauma-based uh, touch therapy. All right. Yeah. So, sorry to interrupt you. So, in your opinion, what is trauma? trauma Just in your own yeah. words, the way that like you practice it on people. And- so, trauma is like a lasting effect caused by some experience of life that causes you now to avoid that stimulus when it's encountered again, even in a novel environment. So, you're in a new place, but that same thing or an ounce of that same thing reminds you of a scenario uh, that happened before. Yeah. And it gives you a reaction that's on the avoid spectrum, not the approach spectrum. If we look at that as like a binary or a dimension of like one to 10 scale approach to avoid. um, If you're going on the avoid side of things, there's some aspect of trauma or some aspect of a trigger or some aspect of maybe a past incident giving you a reason why even in a brand new environment this is now a scary thing so, so when you talk that about imprint yeah, that yeah. moment of imprint i guess like the trauma might be the psychological imprint of an event that now you change your behaviors 
like you you know you no longer approach something that you would yeah Uh, how do you how do you connect uh trauma with the physical massage i mean physical aspect rather than something on a how do you connect the mind and body together yeah so a couple of the things that a lot of massage therapists chiros physios osteopathic practitioners acupuncturists were often trained in the neurology uh as one of the base principles of like one of your fields of study right and so c3 c4 and c5 are the sections of the nerves that are corresponding to your heart lungs and diaphragm this supports respiration and when you have impingements in your brachial plexus and your cervical plexus which are where those nerves come and converge into braidings it reflects in your posture so when you see someone's posture that's really slouched forward and uh, they don't really have a good ability to straighten up and it's difficult or uncomfortable largely that's an adaptation over long term and one of the results is you have pinching of certain nerves that changes your peak oxygenation because now you're not getting the muscular contractions as powerful in your lungs and diaphragm so you're not getting the full oxygen in the first place yeah that's that's really interesting so and, that person like it's like getting into the habit of like having that posture for so such a long time that like someone like you who has studied this as soon as like you see that person you're like okay this is a person with this problem and this and this and this and i can help him or her in this and this and this so i try not to jump to any conclusions first i just observe how do they move how do they breathe how do they speak so that's like how are you presenting yourself to the universe right now are you looking like you need help are you looking like you've had some help and you're okay Mm-hmm. And most people, they look like they need a little bit of help, right? They look like they're presenting themselves to the universe in a way that, well, I'm coming here for a massage. I have pain here, here, and here, yeah. right? What I can do best is observe their breathing as it is and try to coach them best on getting the ribs and spine opening. So if those bones are opening, then we know that there's the physical space for the air to come in, Right. As we can create the physical space for the air to come in through alignment to the torso, alignment of the neck, alignment of the body, now we're giving a void for the air to fill, which is what the diaphragm does in the first place. Yeah. If we don't have the bone alignment in the right position, though, we can run into the bones pinching on soft tissue and nerves and preventing the muscles that are trying to get the air in in the first place from working. So it turns into a cycle where you're not getting enough oxygen. This is called physiological anxiety. This is what happens when um, you're a medulla oblongata in your brain. It's monitoring your oxygen level. And it'll say, hey, we're at like 70% oxygen. Like what's going on? 60% oxygen or something to that effect. Then you get a low level anxiety. You don't know exactly what's causing it. It's a low grade anxiety. But it's caused from the posture and breathing pattern, cutting the circulation to C3, 4, and 5. So now those nerves that are impinged, your diaphragm, heart, and lungs are now working at peak capacity. That's, that's super cool. Like this is, this is something I've been, I've been thinking that this is missing in, in the society. Like this connection that we are just like talking about, where a lot of people just like, they completely don't have this information and they just look at as... I have a pain, I'm going to a chiropractor. Yeah. 
and yeah. like and did it work and it didn't work and they don't and i feel we in in general like we can like put a lot more respect to our chiropractic massage therapists and all that that they actually they when they go through this whole thing and the moment that they see you they see something and you should trust them and part of like the healing of like the physical body is also trusting the teacher and and also you need to have like a good posture for having those breath work and like breathing properly in and and you need the your correction in posture at least consciously every day to make it a habit that you're standing straight your your shoulders are spread apart wide and um, you you're like breathing in through your stomach and not through your chest and Yeah. yeah and you know even the best therapists i know um, the most experienced therapists I know, um, the most well-read therapists I know, and the most athletic therapists I know, we're all constantly reminding ourselves in different ways, oh, I found myself not breathing right in this moment. I'm stressed. Let me catch my breath. Let me expand. Let me stretch. Let me do my yoga. Every day, it's ritualized part of your life to the point where every time I sit down, stand up, I'm doing several different purposeful rib expansions that are opening my body up beyond focusing on taking a deep breath. I'm focusing on, am I mobile? Am I getting breath when I turn my torso or when I turn, am I getting not a full breath anymore? All these things impact on such a micro level where as a therapist, you're constantly analyzing your own patterns if you're the type of therapist that wants to analyze your client's patterns. So if I want to teach someone else how to get from 90% oxygen to 100%, how to get full breathing, how to get faster healing, I have to focus on my own on a micro level enough that I can recognize the patterns of error in others. And that's like my own personal journey is like being ahead of the curve of the client where I've had this, I've had so many problems in my life. I've been hurt by this, that, or the other through sports and martial arts where I, I've had to like help my own pain. And if I can get like, if I've had 1% of my client's pain and I know how to help it, then I know I can blow that picture up for them in different ways. And that's, I think part of the, part of the, journey for me dude this thing that you're explaining is really cool and it's something that really like it's uh, it's really needed that people know yeah and people only think of like yeah people never think of posture that you don't have that much of self-awareness holds holds anxiety that holds all the like uh no it's about like practicing it like when you look at like religion and like how it's been really successful in people's lives spiritual spiritually like yeah. all religions and uh, one of the parts that like it really works on people's like a stress level and everything yeah. is because they practice it like weekly yeah. they practice it da- daily yeah. and all that yeah. and once some people like they get out of this practice it doesn't matter really like what you believe or not um, but when you go out of practice and like self-awareness and like thinking about like every single thing that your body is functioning and like that you are a soul in a body that this body has some mechanism and everything that you need to go to expert to. Yeah. Yeah. And like we, we don't, it's we like often, it's like your spirit it. driving this car yeah. 
you got to take your car to the mechanic. Yeah. Otherwise, exactly. you run into these problems because you realize, yo, you've been putting in regular fuel instead of premium for like yeah. 25 years. Yeah. You've been doing, uh, putting nitrous in your car all the time. Yeah. You got to tune this up. You know, you can't yeah. be doing nitrous yeah. every day or yeah. whatever else kind of things people are doing. Yeah. But if you don't take your body to the mechanic yeah. or if you don't study the mechanisms of the body well yeah. enough, you run into a situation where your higher purposes of your goals in life are yeah. not aligning and you run into ruts and yeah. you get stuck. Yeah. And part of like be the stuck consciousness is like what somato respiratory integration. Um, this is, this is, what a, does that mean? you know that, yeah, it's a <laughs> big is mouthful. This like, is like a big hey. mouthful. So yeah. these are meditation breath based breathing exercises. So if you guys remember, we were talking about these um, breathing exercises with Donald Epstein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dr. Epstein is a chiropractic doctor that founded Network Spinal Analysis. And this is a modality of chiropractic that focuses on the electromagnetic field alignment of your body and the electric flow throughout the nerves, independent necessarily of cracking bones or adjusting the bones using force. It uses your breath and focus and intention, post isometric relaxation, and uh, a couple of muscular techniques that um, are like fascia based or uh, stretch based. Mm -hmm. So there's no aggressive chiropractic, like typical adjusting where it's high velocity. Yeah. There's no painful techniques or like very little risk of pain. Yeah. Um, as it's stretch pain or self-induced stretch, you can come out of it, right? Hmm. Um, the technique system is based on soft touch from these trained chiropractors, but there's a self-care methodology that I mentioned called somata respiratory integration. So that's the mouthful. So it's really body breathing integration. Hmm. The stuck consciousness that I mentioned just a couple minutes ago. So running into areas where you're in a rut in life stuck energy this is part of the stage three uh consciousness in the 12 stages of healing which is donald's book so in this stage they're talking about the first couple of sections of life that you go through where you realize you're stuck so there's the suffering there's the point of like wow i have this pain it's been bugging me for like six months what is going on so that suffering is can be hopeless it can be like wow this is never going to be get get better it can be like wow who's going to help me with this but there's questions you ask in the suffering phase and then there's a phase you come out of that suffering where you see there's a polarity and you recognize okay well everything else on my body is working great this one thing isn't working your psychology starts to change it's like okay well i can still do pull-ups even though my hips bothering me great okay cool i can work out it's like you slowly have a change where you stop focusing on the suffering. Now you focus on polarity and the rhythm of life and seeing that there's ups and downs, hmm. right? This is the transition into noticing that you're stuck in a pattern where you get back to that pattern of, oh, this is what I've been doing to hurt myself the whole time. And now you change your habits. And once then you change you your habits... Then you go back to a cycle. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So... And you're set. You notice your suffering... You notice there's a part of you that's like hurt, but the rest of you is great. Yeah. Then you notice the rest of you that's great does something that hurts that part of you. 
and you're like, oh, that's what I've been messing up. That's the pattern. That's what I'm stuck in. So yeah. example, like I hurt my back deadlifting and then I noticed, okay, well, I like, I'm so depressed. Like I'm hurt. I can't function. I can't do martial arts. I can't, I can barely do my job. I have to take time off work, income, all of these ripple effects. Yeah. Then I'm like, okay, well, once I can work, I'm like, okay, I can at least earn money again. I can, I can do pull-ups. I can do upper body. I can do like th- certain things. Then I notice I'm starting to get tendonitis in my thumb, but I don't take time off work. Mm-hmm. This is like me feeling my low back bugging me, but I still go deadlift that week anyway. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's my pattern. I'm stuck. I'm stubborn. I feel the pain. I ignored it. Never did it again. I was like, oh, I'm going to take time off work and let my thumb heal. Right? Mm. So this is like Donald Epstein teaches. This is stage one. Right? Mm. Stage one is called discovery. Discovery is where you start noticing your patterns and breaking them. And this mm. is how you get to the next stage of transformation where you can evolve into your higher purpose. Because when you're suffering, you feel pain, you feel discomfort, you feel anxiety. When you're not suffering anymore, those consciousnesses don't enter your sphere anymore. You don't feel, you feel pain and you feel like, oh, what's my body asking for? Cool, it needs a little stretch. You feel pain and you say, oh, just breathe a bit better. Make sure you eat some protein tonight. Like that psychology shift of suffering into transformation energy that's what Donald Epstein is teaching. That's very new and high level in terms of integrating psychology and chiropractic and massage and body work as body mind work. Yeah, I, I, um, you sent me two links and then I, it just like it was a rabbit hole for me, like Alice in Wonderland. And then I kind of like dig into it and then I just went talk, uh, listen to a lot of his talks. Um, which it brought to me that his ideas is uh it's come from like his practice in life something that like this is his lifetime work and he's presenting his lifetime work to the society and he's hoping that the society accept it with um with love and passion and with respect and it's really um i felt there's an oppose opinion about this because there will be a gap there's always this gap yes somebody says energy healing and then obviously like all of a sudden we start like feeling oh that's like i don't even yeah i don't even like want to like talk yeah oh energies oh i don't trust this stuff so and then like people will decide consciously i'm not gonna study quantum physics dr amica swami stephen hawking (laughs) i'm not gonna study any of these physicists and metaphysical scientists Yeah. yeah I'm going to decide energy healing doesn't work, even though I'm not a physiotherapist or a quantum physicist. So people who are not necessarily engulfed in it, making the decisions, it's not for them yet. And like, maybe it's going to be for them at some point. And it's good for them to take the time to even entertain the conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate people are willing to entertain the conversation because it's a lot to talk about. Yeah. However, deciding consciously that you don't want to learn anything about it is okay telling people that energy healing doesn't work you're not really you're not well you probably have your own pain that you need to deal with in certain ways because but at the very first step that's like the fundamental breaks to build on and if there's no fundamentals then there's nothing else to build on yeah yeah so the fundamentals of like energy healing like part of what 
um, every quantum physics uh, book that Dr. Amikaswamy has written. So he's a PhD that has garnered a lot of respect in metaphysics and quantum physics right now for mm-hmm. doing these experiments where he has people in an electromagnetic field proof room overseas. He has a brain scan on them. And he'll stimulate one person by showing a flash of light. And the previous instructions the two individuals are given is, I want you to meditate and focus on like sharing your energy with this person. Focus on sharing your experience and just meditate on the same frequency as this person. So all you're told is meditate and think about this other person overseas. You don't know anything about them. You don't know what they look like. But when you're shown a flash of light, 80% of the time, uh, 70 to 80% of the brainwave on the person overseas matches the corresponding uh, brainwave of the person who actually saw the light. Hmm. So what this showed is by putting the intention in your mind of focusing on someone else, the mirror neurons in your brain, so the neurons that match the other person's like you have these neurons that give you a perception of what the other person's thinking. It's like, a, it's almost like, do you guys know a little bit about it? It's yeah. a little bit advanced and like, I don't know enough to speak on it with a lot of authority. Who would it be? Mm. Do you, can you like refer us to somebody? That Dan, knows? Dan Gregg would know about this. Dan Gregg. So okay. Dan Gregg with the psych, the, the University, um, University of Toronto um, Psychedelic Association. He would be a good person to talk about this more. So in terms of uh, Dr. Amikaswamy's experiment where, so yeah, so he has two people overseas and this person's brain and that person's brain agreed that there was light, but only one person actually, only one person had light stimulus fly into their eyeballs and have their retina turn that into some signal in their brain and say, oh, that's light. Only one person had that happen. The other person, there's no light happening. But their brain had the same activity as if it did, 70, yeah. 70, 80% of the time, right? This is the same theory that they're using to prove in evolutionary theory why monkeys on an island that are exposed to a snake, they learn to be afraid of that snake. But then monkeys who are on a different island who never saw the snake ever, they're now afraid of that snake where they normally wouldn't have been, mm. Right. So this is a quantum consciousness. So like part of what Dr. Dr. Amikaswamy is explaining and teaching through these experiments is proof that there's a quantum body of information. There's a consciousness, a universal consciousness. And this is through which we all channel information and like share our information through. Um, This is through the same principle in which... um, like energy healing is said to work. It's through quantum physics and through things we can observe with our eyes. Um, And what I focus on is like the anecdotal evidence of like, okay, well, I've had Reiki sessions. I've had network spinal sessions. I've had osteopathic sessions, craniosacral sessions. And these are all said to engage kind of energy and be that type of um, work. I've had it done on me, like all of it, and I found it to be really helpful, and so do a lot of people. And that's what I prefer to focus on than rather like the numbers of physics and quantum this or quantum that. Because Dr. Amikaswamy, his experiments are great, don't get me wrong, but I want to know what does this matter for our life? 
like yeah like for well how would it affect my life yeah right like right? and that's most of what most of us care so what he's what what i notice is like i've bought a bunch of his books trying to understand okay like why does this matter yeah right that's and a great so, question like in right the there. quantum economics book in the quantum doctor book in all of his quantum physics books he has a chakra chart in there explaining the frequencies and the chakras and how the different vibrations of these chakras impact your decision making and your moment to moment experience of life in quantum economics within the first half of the book he's teaching you why aligning your chakras is going to make you more money it's an economics <laughs> okay. book by a quantum physicist but in the first section they're talking about neurology because if you don't have the neurological alignment yeah. so what if to break chakras down briefly is chakras are plexuses so it's the neurological plexus so it's a braiding an intersection of cell bodies and axons and dendrites it's basically like a little mini brain you have several of them solar plexus cervical plexus brachial plexus sacral plexus lumbosacral plexus they're all over your body these are really important because it's like a little brain it's like a little cluster of electromagnetic field and thought and patterns and reflexes and all these different emotional states and cont and, and different things flow through the body through these channels can no, you explain yeah. us like what these are like in in a simpler way? So chakras one hundred one, yeah. boom. Okay, you've you've got uh, nerve cells in your brain. Yeah. And when there's a big bundle of them, it's yeah. like your brain, yeah. right? They're all tangled up. Yeah. But they're actually organized, right? So they go down your spinal cord, and their fingers go into like all your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So. Through these nerve fingers, so these are the nerve endings that yeah. go into your fingers and stuff, they collect and like they braid together before they go back up to your brain and they consult and communicate with each other and say, did you guys all agree? Did you guys see a ghost? Yeah, I saw a ghost too. Okay, tell the brain there's a ghost. Okay. So like your hand, let's say touches something and there's a lot of information going input, output to make all the things happen where you don't have to think about it. There's a little bundle called the cervical plexus, the brachial plexus, where these reflexive things that you don't think about in your brain, yeah. all these nerve reflex pathways, they go boom, boom, boom. So you touch something hot, it goes to your spinal cord, and it goes right back out to the muscles, pull away. You don't have to think, oh, that's hot. The same sense someone says something rude to you and you react by yelling at them, that's your throat chakra overexpressing right away. Yeah. You didn't have time to think, your throat chakra was just like boom. That's your cervical plexus being overexcitable. You probably have tight scalenes. So that's a muscle group in your neck that correlates with pinching in your lungs and your heart and your nerve, because um, your uh, diaphragm from C3, C4, C5. How do you heal that? Yeah. So that's like a long thought loop. I'm going to bring us right back because yeah. chakras 101. So... Yeah. The reactionary pattern of like, okay, you touch something, your spinal cord pulls you back. Like your spinal cord gives you the reflex to pull away. Your throat chakra would be what someone yells at you and you yell right back. That's the reflex loop there. So that's your cervical plexus. So the reason that that's an unhealthy pattern, you don't want to yell right back. Someone yells at you, you should probably say, hey, I'm going to excuse myself until we can cool off. Right? That's a healthier pattern. Yeah. 
if you have a more relaxed scalene muscle, more relaxed like neurological tension, you'll probably have more relaxed muscle tension. These are just correlated. It doesn't mean this causes that, but I could logically kind of see a correlation and an assumption made where let's say a client is in this posture, uh, defensive posture. Uh, they're probably experiencing more neck tension and they might have problems vocalizing uh, their discomfort at work because they're like, they can't say what's going on to their boss because they they love their job. They don't want to lose it. They need the money, but they're putting up with a lot of bullshit at work. Their throat chakra, they're going to build tension because they're not able to speak their mind. So this is how that kind of patterning builds itself psychologically into tension in your neck because now your jaw you're bite you're literally biting your tongue your jaw is now tense you create a loop where you're creating a physical tension and it's associated with that mental psychological tension of oh this this work environment sucks i can't say anything about it god damn it you're biting down you're creating that this loop they don't have a good way of talking about it because the most probably precise way is to talk about a cervical plexus issue because it's a it's a large grouping of issues. It's muscular, psychological, and nerve. So Amikaswamy talks about it as chakras. Massage therapists and physios talk about it as like nerve stuff. Energy workers talk about it as chakra. Everyone has their own way of talking about the same issue, right? A psychologist is going to give you counseling and maybe a medication that's going to help you make decisions in a different way. But if the pattern of physical tension is coming back through that repeated exposure to that shitty work environment, you're going to always be dependent on it. So the action that you create is changing the environment, not coping with the shit environment. So you have to speak up to yourself and speaking up to yourself is how you open your throat chakra. That makes so much sense. So this is kind of like me bringing the, the chakra concept. It's bridging the neurology, the psychology, and the biology together in a more loop, like more of a loop of like feedback where you can see how each plays and interacts with the, each other. That makes so much sense, man. This is something that maybe most people don't even like think about it yeah. for years. Yeah. And they just like be at work and yeah. then go yeah. on a daily routine for yeah. so many years and they don't even notice it got on these like cycles on and on and on yeah. Yeah, yeah you have these small patterns where you're not expressing yourself authentically so you suppress some of that expression when you suppress expression so you're not speaking what's on your mind you're not doing the art or doing the conversation or doing the inner work or the movement when you're not doing the physical things like the yeah. art, whatever the physical yeah. actions yeah. are, yeah. Um, you're creating a lack of expression where that expression has to exist somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Right. And um, and it brings attention to your jaw, to like the posture and everything, and then and then that person feels like, oh, there's something wrong with me. I have to go see yeah. somebody. Mm-hmm. And but because it happened like. For over such a long, long term time. yeah yeah you didn't notice week one at work your upper back was tight and uncomfortable yeah. because week one you're excited about your new job yeah. week two sitting at work you're still excited about the social aspect of your new job because now you've settled into the environment you're socializing making friends in your new job week three week four 
you're getting like you're into your new job deeper you're maybe not even realizing oh wow my body's so stiff after sitting at this new job next thing you know months go by and you haven't noticed that you didn't ask for a new chair you didn't ask for this that or the other you've been uncomfortable at your desk with a monitor too low for this long you've had a mouse that's like not ergonomic and your wrist is like bothering you all these things slowly added up but you probably might have noticed one percent of each of these issues five percent of each of these issues yeah but you didn't do anything till they're all at 80. yeah yeah right people don't really notice it so it's the the mindful practicing it right now in my body and i'm like yeah like literally i'm stretching right i'm literally stretching right now too because i'm talking about it i'm like these are the patterns that if we're not consciously aware of them we find ourselves in a position where wow my neck like i've had neck issues for four years me personally because of like university studies and never thinking while i was in university about my posture until yeah. I went to massage school. Mm-hmm. Then I was like, oh, I have some unfucking to do. I fucked mm-hmm. myself up. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's just you get to a point where you're undoing a lifetime of like, I guess I'm only 27 now, but it feels like a lifetime of abuse to your body. Yeah. And every day you're kind of forgiving yourself for not treating yourself better. And yeah. that's yeah. part of the journey. For me, where I'm at personally is forgiving yourself for not treating yourself better even though you knew better because some people they don't know better and i would love to teach them so they know better i'm the type of person where some of this stuff obviously i don't know but a lot of it i know better and i've been the type of person to let my own journey and like everyone has been the type of person at points where you lose yourself and you have to rein things back in and come back to um what was the bigger purpose that you had in the first place when you put yourself on whatever path you put yourself on? So when I became a massage therapist, the biggest part of me was learning through healing myself and through healing others to be a better person in the bigger in the bigger picture. It wasn't so much like my innate curiosity to know this or that. It was more like, If I'm going to spend this life doing something every day, a lot of people change careers multiple times a year, but if I'm going to have one focus overall, it's going to be the health and wellness and like physical well-being, mental well-being of like my friends and family. And all your coworkers, everybody around you, and you're responsible for every single person around you. And also you come to my house, you get a massage pretty much like if you're like nice to me. I'm probably going to massage you for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, just for like chilling with me. I'm probably going to do it without you even asking. Like, it's just one of those things that, um, as a massage therapist, like being through certain things in life that were painful, seeing mom go through like a lot of pain. Cause like I told the story on a podcast I did earlier in the month, but my mom fell down the stairs when I was two because she was carrying me, um, I was crying, I needed milk or whatever kind of needs I had when I was two. And my mom tripped at the top of the stairs and fell. Um, My dad had to call an ambulance and like sort things out and get us taken care of. My mom managed to turn while falling and protect me. But she uh, fractured her eighth thoracic vertebrae and she had lived with back pain. I'm pretty sure she still lives with discomfort. She doesn't vocalize it a lot now, but... 
this is what um, I think from a young age impacted me a lot in terms of understanding pain and how it affects the whole family, how it affects the whole system, not just like one person seeing like the bigger effects, but also walking on my mom's back as like a five-year-old, eight-year-old cracking her back with my feet and like knowing she feels good enough that she's going to be feeling like in a good mood now or like um, the energy is different. Just knowing like mom's vibe is different as a kid. You don't think that much. You just know kind of feels and what's going on. Right. I don't remember my consciousness that clearly, but um, through that happening to my mom and seeing pain and seeing that and then through um, a lot of really positive relationships and positive interactions with therapists throughout um, like my own like pain relief journeys, I came to a point of uh, wanting to know how can I provide therapy for these people? Like, how can I do this for people? I was oh, like yeah. the way that like you actually like this passion and this like urge yeah. of like, I saw my mom's pain yeah. and I want to relieve pain on other people because I lived through it. It's, yeah. it's fucking amazing. Yeah. It's like such an amazing thrive to have from like inside and just like, this is me. This is my role in the society. This is what I want to do. Yeah, it's it's one of those kind of passions that it comes from inside, not outside. And I think that's part of what um, I used to fuel me and like push me forward is um, like doing meditation, yoga neurological alignment spinal alignment posture focus on finding uh, myself through inner work and looking inside psychedelic experience through uh, different substances and different meditations Uh, the lucia light which is a dmt stimulator through your pineal gland Um, through a number of different avenues of natural and um, like um, external sources of um, like inner inner thought i've really just dis- like i think it's really important that everyone does it yeah like the kind of meditation and yoga practices and like inner work because we all want to build this world better way yeah and, and because there's people that they'll align themselves and realize that they're going to be a better teacher than a better healer or they're going to be a better like uh, like they're better at understanding the small things than the big picture there's people that are better at understanding people than things, people that are better understanding things than people. But through finding your own alignment and like, I think your life experience, but also your physical alignment in the universe and how gravity impacts your body, how you think clearly to find yourself is such a big ripple effect on how you affect society, right? Yeah, it's the life purpose exactly like what is your life purpose so like knowing okay this is my path but not knowing this is my path because i chose it knowing my this is my path because i'm on it already and like when you're on the path already what do you do you grab the bull by the horns or you're gonna fly off the bull right you don't choose the body your soul is put into you don't you don't choose the physical hands the you don't choose the physical dimensions or the aptitudes right but what you do choose is the moment to moment experience of what are you paying attention to where's your focus so what you focus on where you're pointing this observer 
if you point this observer at itself long enough, it just starts aligning because you're watching yourself like you're your own God. Yeah. Right? These so are that's, our receivers, right? Like our eyes and our ears yes. and everything. They are our receivers. That's the only way that we can perceive the world. We are observers, world. right? Yeah. Exactly. And it's through observing yourself constantly. So people who are very self-aware uh, usually have developed this through traumatic life because you've had to analyze yourself yeah. to know what am I doing wrong that's making this narcissist treat me like yeah. this? What am I doing wrong that's making this parent treat me like this? You self-analyze constantly and it makes you spiritually aware because you self-analyze. Other people, this happened because of a mushroom trip. Other people, this happened because their house got burned down. Or other people, this happened because they were abused in this situation sexually. Or there's so many realities that exist where the conscious response of your body is, I'm now better at observing. Because for whatever reason, I didn't observe something in the past. Maybe I could have observed something that could have stopped the trauma from happening. Right? Yeah. That's a defense mechanism of hypervigilance and self-awareness. Hmm. Hmm. Right? This is a development of a trauma. Yeah, right? yeah. And like, if you, the more that you're aware of it, the more that like you can stop trauma in yeah. your kid's life. Yeah. Yes. Like if you're a parent or... You know, in or like in your colleague's life or in your friend's life. Yes. And then you become more self-aware of like your actions and every single thing. Every single day starts like with a meditation. Let it yeah. welcome with love. Yeah. And then you sit it, let it sit inside and eventually you think it will yeah. change into something else. Yeah. It will change into something that grows instead of something that shrinks. Exactly. That's right? a really good point. The transmutation yeah. force. It takes time. Yeah. You can't think you're going to reflect everything like a mirror then you're reacting constantly and if you understand that you're going to absorb you're going to process and then regurgitate not what came in but you're going to re-express and kind of transmute what came to something new yeah that's the truest form of like alchemy is changing uh dark into light changing light into love changing things like transmutation right And it's like, it's ancient practices from ancient Egypt, ancient India, that uh, Dr. Amika Swami in quantum physics and metaphysics, they're looking at now as, oh, well, these guys had a point, right? And one of the highest points that they're trying to make across the board is, it's like, you love me, I love you. You hate me, I love you. Because your experience is central to like your experience is central to your reality Hmm. and if everyone's reality aligns with like a high purpose and a high consciousness then society changes on a global level because um what the chakra thing that you said it's also relevant to like we are all getting connected for one purpose and that purpose solely is to send the message to everybody around us and spread the message yeah right whatever message that is mm-hmm. and so in in the conscious energy of putting the three of our minds towards one purpose yeah of making sure that the v- listeners are becoming more self-aware of their actions and how they express themselves to the world as a reflection of their inner self yeah, yeah. as something yeah. that you're true to your heart and yeah. uh and there's no mask in between. There's nothing yeah. in between there. And there you have like a perfect 
clear glass yeah where you can see everything and it's it's like uh we're living our life purpose freely and you know we have like sometimes when we are not breathing clean like breathing properly or like breathe like have some inflammation going on like we're yeah. like clogged up yeah that's like when what you're happens. sick and then you're finally better yeah. it's like you remember yeah, yeah. the yeah. gratefulness exactly. to breathe yeah. Yeah. it's like yeah. even when you're when you uh, are swimming or you're yeah. holding your breath yeah. for a long time on purpose underwater yeah. and then you're first like you finally get that breath you feel so relaxed when you that's the feeling of taking your mask off yeah and looking living. at yourself the first time and yeah. living the life purpose that you have brought in with your soul and you know there's a really great quote um about masks uh it's i don't remember exactly the wording but basically it's saying there comes a time when you take your mask off and you've been wearing it so long that you take it off and so a piece of your skin comes off with it right and like what that speaks to is like the idea that you do lose yourself in your masks as you present yourself to the world and society you have to wear a mask at all times everyone does to exist you can't just be freely who you are at all times it's not appropriate of for course. society to be complete free spirits and everyone's a free spirit it's not appropriate and through wearing masks we learn um we learn through judgment of, by being judged by others but we learn also by like the way we judge ourselves and the way we judge others what masks we want to show society so we put on a, um, a mask that's oh, this is my professional me. This is like how I am at work. Uh, This is how I am on the podcast. And then there's the you when you're alone in a room by yourself, how you talk to yourself, how you think at night, how you sleep, the the inner you that no one sees. Your partner doesn't see that you necessarily the way you see it. You're the only observer of your own consciousness. So in that same essence of if you're the only one observing your consciousness and you're putting masks on for everyone else at all times, they're not observing what you're observing, right? So why are you trying to influence what they observe with a mask? Yeah. Now you're not expressing the right thing in the first place. So how can they possibly observe the right thing if you're obscuring their observation now? So when you put a mask on, you're not putting a mask on yourself. You're actually putting blinders on the person who's observing you. Yeah. That's 100% true. Yeah. And and they cannot have the right judgment about who you are. And that wrong judgment that creates confusion. And the confusion leads to chaos and so on and so forth. So this all is stuff that's way out of your control, Right. So the way someone thinks about you, the way you're perceived, the way someone judges you, they think you sound um, however they think you sound. They think you look however you look. They think your life history was easy, hard, whatever judgment they have to make. They didn't live it. They didn't observe it. And when you try to change your behaviors with a mask to change someone's perception of you to become something that you're constructing, now that inauthenticity is going to have a ripple effect in the way that you're expressing yourself in other areas of your life. And it comes back to the idea that the way you do most things, the way you do everything is kind of the way you do everything. And so if one of your like core, your core values, if they are what they are, they're malleable over the long term. 
but you have to put a conscious energy and a conscious decision to change them. Hmm. Right? Yeah. It's like, these are some of the things Einstein said. It's like the same consciousness that created a problem cannot solve that problem. So Hmm. that's the idea that if you have anxiety and you're sitting there thinking too hard about something, that means that um, often like anxiety is described by the person having it as they can't stop thinking about the same thing or they're like panicking about something that's happening in the future that they can't control or there's some kind of pattern where they're in a thought loop that keeps coming back around to the same topic right and so in in that kind of state um, that consciousness of thought and anxiety is created by thought so you've thought a problem into existence by thinking about it too much. Yeah. That cannot be the way you solve the problem. The way you solve that problem has to be through an action. And an action is a different frequency, a different vibration. It's a different consciousness than a thought. So thought and then action. Action's behavior. So the way that Einstein describes that type of problem would be, so Einstein would say the consciousness that created a bomb blew up a city is not the consciousness that heals the city. So a bomb doesn't put the city back together, yeah. right? So uh, thinking created anxiety by thinking too much about a problem that you can't control, perhaps. Yeah. And then thinking about that doesn't solve the problem, but going on a walk and then maybe going to do some action that makes that future problem easier, like yeah. getting some training on whatever that future anxiety issue is. So then now you're prepared for that moment right? That action reduces the anxiety, which is that consciousness. So Einstein describes this kind of problem of anxiety as basically you can't uh, unthink it. You have to act it. You have to act. You have to create an action now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It could be fear of getting old. It could be and and then it could build up the, into anything. Yeah, and and the way you could tackle that would be like you exercise, you follow yeah a routine, you follow a good diet, you follow mm. the, the all the good habits that so you, you can do. So you do some follow. actions, right? Yeah. But if you keep worrying about getting old, oh, you're that actually getting, makes you older. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> now you're not doing actions that make you younger. Yeah. You're wasting time worrying yeah. about yeah. getting older. Yeah. Done. counterproductive ah who would have thought right einstein thought that so einstein told everyone hey guys if you think a problem into existence you can't unthink it you have to act it yeah and these are some base principles of like physics that these physics people these physics people like they're doing math and calculations and they're doing hardcore science to understand the universal laws and then it's up to quantum physics and philosophy and psychology and neuroscience and cognitive science to break it down into some behaviors that me and you can sit down and say, hey, okay, so based on the moon being over here, I'm feeling these emotions now. It's a full moon. What do you think? Oh, wow. Well, based on the ancient scriptures, the full moon means it's time to get over the last month of worries. Yeah. Let's get over this past month of worries. Yeah. Right, so this is quantum physics and astronomy and astrology all coming together with us having a chat about, hey guys, I had a stressful month. Let's blow off some steam in the forest and enjoy the moon. Right? These are the behaviors that are processing the actions of like the the thoughts of, oh wow, I'm so stressed. Right? 
So it's Einstein's principles. They, they apply to every area of yeah. life. And like, these are such basic things that yeah. the universal principles that physics describes has like a ripple effect in biology, chemistry, everything to create the conscious experience we have. And then by understanding these tiny things like, you know, inertia. Yeah. So if you're stuck, you're going to stay stuck. Yeah. Something else has to move you. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like so, an exterior so, force. Yeah. 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 So if you're super depressed and um, I've been there, I've been really, really depressed and I've been yeah, stuck in this here. kind of like place where my friends are outside of my driveway. Like, Hey, come smoke a smoke, smoke a no. joint, come chill. Yeah. And like, I'll come out for like 50 minutes and I'm going back inside. Yeah. Like yeah. literally I've been in those zones and I think Everybody's everyone's, yeah. everyone's got stinks where it's like a month yeah. or two, sometimes three, sometimes it's a year or two. Yeah. Sometimes it's a bigger chunk of your life than you wanted. You lose a slice of your joy in that yeah. section of your life yeah. to being stuck. And in hindsight, when I look back at being stuck, I realize wow social supports what you needed the most it's like if you've got inertia like you're stuck your inertia is that like you're not moving yeah how do you get something moving you got to push it from the yeah, outside exactly. and sometimes you right? need friends but to, people will like, tell you yeah. oh depression's from the inside you have to like think your way out but no you thought yourself into the depression you don't think your way out that's einstein didn't say that einstein said action does it so you have to act your way out and if <laughs> actions are too hard because your depression's that deep your friends and social support have to act for you. Yeah. And if that doesn't happen, sometimes you're stuck in that depression. Yeah, just the idea that um, we're, not, we're not stuck in depression because it's our own fault and we're not strong enough to climb out. It's because sometimes you need someone to reach down yeah. at the moment you're climbing. Sometimes that person reaches and it's like, yo, I was ready to climb yesterday or I'm like, I don't have, I have energy to climb tomorrow. And until that alignment happens, some people can be stuck in a funk. And putting the pressure on people of saying like, oh, you need counseling, you need medication, you need this or you need that, and you can fix your own problems from internal internal work. Yeah, this is really important. And like doing your internal work. But that takes a work, lot of courage for a lot of people to wake up. And exactly. like it's really often when you're when you're already depressed and you might have a pessimistic outlook, yeah. it sounds like every other person who said, oh yeah, it comes from within. Yeah. It comes from within. Oh yeah, you have to figure it out. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you sound like a broken fucking record to these oh, people. Yeah. Yeah. And I've been there where people are telling you that. And there's a, a way of getting the actions to happen where it's like, I would literally need someone to pull me to the gym or some like yeah. strong reason to get yeah. physical exercise, yeah. get my circulation going in my brain, yeah. get oxygen back in my brain on a regular basis. Having this happen, one thing that happened is like my dog passed away and I became mm. depressed. And part of what was like built in my routine was like often walking the dog, but mm. also just like going for a walk without the dog, but thinking about the dog. Yeah is something that I would do all the time. And that creates attention. Yeah. And like, yeah. it's, it created this, um, like negative emotion of grief yeah. that I was now witnessing that I was experiencing this whole time without witnessing properly. So okay. my organisms going through this grief process and I'm yeah. not acknowledging a lot of it and witnessing it happening. Yeah. And then I'm noticing that I don't want to do these actions that I used to do, like go for a walk. I don't want to go to these areas I still love going to, like the forest yeah. and the water. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, I'm noticing, now I'm witnessing the grief in actions. But witnessing the grief in thoughts, I was like numbing it. It's like I could, you know, 
move on and focus on other things because I can shift my conscious focus but subconscious is often your your actions are usually yeah. a lot of your actions are kind of subconscious yeah body language and uh, a lot of the way you do things and yeah. not necessarily what you're doing but the way you've done it yeah it's like subconscious programming like your yeah, automatics yeah. your yeah. autopilot yeah noticing my autopilot program change it's like my autopilot program lost go for a walk enjoy some fresh air yeah. as like morning routine it became uh smoke a bong hit or so that reward system is gone and mm-hmm. when you don't have that reward system it you start like going down with it because there's nothing that like yeah. is rewarding you during your day yeah it's almost as if like you're creating a loop of um like um, by reward system i mean giving yourself a reward of the fresh air yeah or, or hanging yeah. out with your dog that was there yeah but like now that is missing but like it takes the the grief it takes down the the positive message exactly. of like the, it's like now yeah. you're not even grateful to have fresh air have and a fresh river air. and a walk it takes yeah. both it's of like, the subjects should, down like, with it exactly yeah. Yeah. so I, that's exactly it i'm witnessing my behavior change yeah. so now my behavior is as if i'm not grateful to have this beautiful place to go for a walk yeah. in because i don't even enjoy it anymore yeah right that's the behavioral change and then you that the grief caused and then so now now i'm getting less oxygen every day because i'm not going for a 30 minute 40 minute walk yeah because when i do go for it it makes me think about like negative thoughts so i go home all right so so what is your solution how did you overcome it so like what i noticed like so if i look at this pattern it's i'm avoiding the grief by not exercising because now literally like going for a walk is reminding me of exercise in general so now exercise in general is reminding me of losing my dog and so now that grief emotion comes from the smallest bit of exercise because it reminds me of oh i don't even want to go for a walk in my own neighborhood because it reminds me of my dog right so processing that grief now the behavioral changes are i'm not exercising because it's a trigger who would have thought now exercising is it now like that's impacting a bigger area of your life than you would have expected and when you take the moment to sit back and analyze how has my behavior changed as a result of the grief? It's not how did your thoughts change? Because you might be thinking the same way. Because I was thinking the same way. I'm blocking this shit out. My dog died. And like, yeah, that's a part of like my family that we lost. But that happens. Not processing the grief. I'm seeing behavioral changes. And then I'm like, wow, I have to change my behaviors back to where they were. Face the fact that this reminds me of that. And think, wow, if my dog was here, this is what I would do anyway. Yeah. Right. So it's rephrasing that cognitive understanding. But if you don't take the second to observe your own behavior change, then you don't notice that this grief affected you. I go through my whole day, my whole life thinking that I'm not working out because I'm lazy. Right. Yeah. But if I analyze it carefully, I realize, oh, well, when I I used to go for a walk and that starts my workout mentality of like, that's how you start your day. And that ripple effect is now it's 5 p.m. I don't have motivation to work out. And then you do the surgery right there and you make the separation. And then you're like, okay, this is my value. This is the downside. Uh, The downside part of me need to get out. And you take that out very, very carefully. Then you put all your principles back together. Yeah. And then you have the foundation. When you have the foundation, you have the peace. And sometimes you need to like uh, override those memories with a different form of exercise. So you, let's say, I, I, it could be like, maybe if you don't like 
football because of some injury or something you play another sport so you get the exercise but you don't get into the state of that exact like memory and scenario yeah yeah, yeah. it's true yeah it's yeah. like you go it's like successive approximation it's like yeah. you're exposing yourself it's similar to like how they do phobia exposure yeah so it's like you're scared of spiders okay well can you watch a discovery show about it no okay okay well can you look at a photo of it no okay well can you look at a drawing of it okay that's okay for you right <sighs> you find the line where it's like oh this is fine you tread yeah. the water there yeah yeah right? but mine was like start looking at lobsters and then i don't know there's there's no benefit of looking at lobsters but like it's sort of like familiarizes you to the anatomy anatomical aspects of eight-legged creature and maybe mm. then you can refocus yes. into that and yeah. like rework like, that okay, so you can't problem. deal with a spider can you deal with a crab yeah okay what about a baby crab yeah or lobster <laughs> right <laughs> so you just switch to a panel like, like yeah. go to a lobster then, like, like, okay you can't deal with that okay what about an octopus okay what about a baby squid what about calamari <laughs> yeah. okay so you can deal with calamari you can't deal with spiders can we bridge the gap from yeah. six six-legged uh appetizer to thing that protects your home from uh termites yeah. or whatever they do they do a lot of helpful things like that right spiders oh. uh eat a lot of uh invasive insects right so can we bridge that gap like that that phobia training bridging the yeah. gap between two things that are like really far apart yeah that's what psychedelics are about isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. is that what spirituality is apart finding they, so finding basically yourself you it makes you aware of the study of all all the study and the histories that has been done on this planet and it makes you aware of like everything and you start being aware that there are there are scientists that they matters and these scientists before they were called like shamans yeah. mm-hmm. and now they have they have the knowledge and over time all these like very wise figures in our society they pass the torch to the next person and the next person and the next person mm-hmm. now we really need to pass the torch to these scientists to all these different industries to lead yeah. the way to the light where yeah. wherever the light is that's such and, a yeah. good way of putting things yeah. Yeah. because you're absolutely right it's like if you look at the course of history yeah um philosophers and people like even like let's say like nostradamus you know prophets um even like prophet muhammad like all these different prophets over the course of time um people that have said to have foreseen things or even like shamans and the 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 medicine men of uh ancient times um the what we'd call witch doctors or herbal medicine specialists or herbalists naturopathic doctors and acupuncturists and all these types of alternative health um it's all based in ancient practices that are diluted and now being redistributed and repackaged in different ways in society now and as we recover more of our ancient roots and we see a lot of the base things like prana just pure breath work um reoxygenated the tissues detoxifying with oxygen breathing exercise Uh, yoga a lot of these base things eliminate the need for a lot of the modern medicine there's so much more information right now about a lot of the topics that spirituality and quantum physics and healing and self-work and psychology and uh, mental health yeah all these things are becoming talked about 
every day is like normal things to talk yeah. about in every household yeah. Yeah. in the sense of like more and more people realize oh my mom had depression our whole yeah. life my yeah. mom had anxiety half her life oh this happened my parents because in canada in toronto especially mm-hmm. most of us are uh second generation or first generation or some kind of uh immigrant uh parents uh decided they're going to start a new life in canada and they didn't have it easy a lot of them a lot of them came with money a lot of them came without money and so there's such varied stories and varied perspectives that you get and we often don't really um go to the part that like we really need to look at every single person with like a eye of humbleness or something like with a forgiveness and like yes this is we should forgive a lot more than we we hate or something yeah yeah Yeah. it's like we almost forget that it's like wow there's a whole like there's a whole background behind this behind every single behavior when you see someone's taking an extra two minutes or extra two seconds at a left turn like that person's mom might be in the hospital and they're like having a brief moment of thought about that while they're at a red light while they're at the red light and then they don't notice it turned green because they're not in this dimension they're in a dimension that's more important than that dimension in that moment yeah yeah to them you see their individual expression their individual life right and like we lose that like a lot of i think the most impactful thing that meditation yoga um, self-discovery and psychedelics and like hitting rock bottom in different ways in my life and like Mm. learning how to do the self-work to figure out the parts of me i didn't need to carry forward in the next chapter all of this has been like a huge uh humanizing part of who i am now to allow me to show people compassion because i had to show myself compassion to grow Mm. And so if psychedelics, uh, spirituality, yoga, meditation, self-work, inner work, self-development, if it does anything for anyone, what I want and what I hope the message of like Chris the painkiller and taking pain out of people in terms of like their understanding of what pain is, is converting suffering into growth, right? Converting that sense of suffering into a sense of learning about what caused the suffering so you can turn that cycle off right Mm -hmm. and it's that cycle and breaking that cycle that that's what personal growth is it's like turn that cycle into a spiral upward yeah rather than a cycle like a like a downward cycle right that makes sense all right guys i'm gonna give the mic to akshay to talk about jeff cavalier who is jeff cavalier tell us so jeff cavalier is a master's in uh, physical training and all that stuff and uh, I, I believe he's got a master's of physical therapy i don't remember where he studied he's on youtube yeah. athlean x uh this guy is incredible in terms of um so i think he's in his late 30s or early 40s but he's yeah. he's been studying kinesiology he's and physical therapy yeah uh for so long yeah he's got a bit of gray hair maybe by now right um he's in incredible shape he's a biohacker and fitness like fitness um like fitness guru yeah Yeah. he's probably the most popular physical therapist on youtube uh in like in my opinion he's one of the most respected period this guy has so much knowledge so we just wanted to bring him up on the podcast because 
uh, as a massage therapist who focuses on posture and alignment and I focus on the biomechanics and the physics and the gravity and the way the different um, forces are applying on your joints. There's force couples and interesting physics that um, Jeff Cavalier has a great understanding and explains things. He has such a detailed YouTube channel with lots of resources and pictures. And he says a lot of the words that mean you know what to Google if you want to learn more. But he teaches you in a way where he dumbs it down for... Um, things that I had no idea about before I even started uh, learning about body work. Like when I was like, before I even started massage school, this guy was on YouTube. He's been killing it forever. Yeah. Um, and then he'll go into the micro details of like fiber orientation on this muscle and draw it on his body. So you yeah. can see what it looks like when he's flexing that muscle on that plane of exercise. Yeah. So you know why it's important for your posture when you're at your desk. Yeah. Right. Cause that's what a, that's what a master level physical therapist is able to yeah. do. Right. Yeah. And like, he does it like no one else is doing it on YouTube. Yeah. So, um, people often ask me like, where'd you learn this from? And like, I've got a lot of teachers. Um, Jeff Cavalier is one of the biggest ones. Like if you yeah. study a lot of the stuff he shows, some of the stuff is like, um, made for youtube audience where it's like a thumbnail that's like catchy and like catchy kind of like titles like almost clickbait but there's always some high level knowledge deep in there where if you watch the video to learn yeah you're gonna learn and it's like this guy just does such a good job i couldn't speak higher of him Yeah. yeah He talks about a complete range of motion for a muscle group and all and like how to completely expand contract and then there's a like i guess the but i but i like the way you connected with like the trauma and everything like when people are holding that like memory from a trauma like they're kind of like contracting in and like bringing trying to be more protective of themselves yeah and like, uh, yeah so like but when you do exercise you expand everything properly and bring it to contraction yeah, and like, learn how to you, let your body relax yeah. under tension yeah and then you realize like a common midpoint where yeah. it's not too much it's to not do it little and that's that's the relaxation state and like if you follow jeff's methodologies for doing exercise you'll it's naturally so meditative all, yeah all, yeah you'll also tackle like, the yeah if you learn part. from jeff like yeah. the breathing synchronization with yeah. your exercise yeah. like over the course of learning from him i don't know if he has one particular thing that teaches this like super well maybe i'll do something that does it yeah but the way he teaches, like synchronizing your breathing rate with your like force exertion yeah. mentally, um, part of what I notice in like, I don't know if I learned this from observing all different people or just like over my own practice over time, but um, through teaching my body, it's safe and comfortable to lengthen under pressure, lengthen under tension. Yeah. So it's like I'm teaching my body, you can relax under pressure. That's what I tell myself mentally. You can relax under pressure. So that's like when I'm lowering a weight down really slowly and teaching my muscle to be strong under tension, I'm teaching yourself mentally, you can relax under pressure. So there's pressure on my organism when I'm lifting the weight. And then there's pressure spiritually, psychologically in some situation later in life. What I've trained mentally to focus on in the gym is you can relax under pressure and then you can... Uh, rise under pressure is there any book and uh that you recommend for people to read to introduce them to this entire world 
you know, for like I've, something like one one. You know, I think a good way to start is um, okay. So this book is called The Quantum Doctor. So it's a quantum physicist that explains the healing power of integral medicine. Integral medicine is just integrating kind of all aspects of healing. So it, rather than seeking to ignore and say this doesn't work, it seeks to say, oh, everything works, put it all together. Um, the information that could change the world of medicine, if not the world as a whole. That's uh, Deepak Chopra's words about this book. Um so I'm just going to read a quick part of the back. It's like, what this book offers is complete clarity. All of us desperately need it. And I look forward to the much greater hope that one day soon, medical students will be required to read The Quantum Doctor before they graduate. This is information that could change the whole world of medicine, if not the world as a whole. Um, a big part of what this book focuses on is alternative medicine, Chinese medicine, acupuncture, Ayurveda, conventional medicine. But looking at it from a quantum physics viewpoint... Um, where we look at illness and recovery as types of consciousness that exist. And it's a paradigm shift in medicine that goes beyond illness. Uh, and then this is the fix. It's more illness and recovery as like a growth process. Mm -hmm. So The Quantum Doctor by uh, Amika Swami, it breaks down chakras, physics, and medicine in a way that you read it and there's no numbers there's no weird conversations that you don't understand it's all like real world examples that make sense that's another one would be 12 stages of healing that's by donald epstein and he's the creator of somatorespiratory integration which is the body breathing integration uh which is taught by chiropractors that have studied network spinal analysis so this is the book it's called 12 stages of healing by Dr. Donald Epstein and his whole theory is based around electromagnetic fields of the spine and the electricity flowing more efficiently. So because he focuses on the flow of electricity being more efficient, he says that everything else is a ripple effect of positivity from that electric flow being more aligned with the universe's uh, gravity uh, with the earth and that your spine and your nerves are just trying to resist the forces on them and as you align them through their electromagnetic field rather than what they look like as it because when you look at them you're judging them but when you align the electricity you're just going with like what the electricity wants like what the electricity is and like his studies show that it changes the electricity over time in your nervous system to be more organized and they did a lot of statistics to find this out and like it's well studied. So that's network spinal analysis, Dr. Donald Epstein. The book is called 12 Stages of Healing. So the book is like a psychological companion. So it's like you read the book, it's like no spine stuff, no electromagnetic field, this, no weird anything that you don't understand. It's 12 stages taking you through suffering, taking you through transforming, taking you through kind of like resolving your issues it's more of a psychology self-help book yeah stages that is of perfect that is perfect man uh is there any um any place that like people can find you that they can like send you a message if they need to in contact with you the best place to contact me right now is going to be my instagram it's at chris the painkiller so that's all one word chris t-h-e-p-a-i-n-k-i-l-l-e-r chris the painkiller all yeah. right 
All right. Thank you so cool. much for yeah. coming. Thank you guys so much yeah. for having me. This really is really fun it. to talk about. Yeah. And um, I'm happy to yeah. share uh, more next time. Yeah, Dude, this for is sure. amazing. Thank yeah. you so much. Thanks. Thank you.